Slava Isus Christus, Slava Novike, glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. So I'm doing a, a whole bunch of podcasts today. I have some time today and I'm going to, i uh, been talking about the rosary that Mary gave to us to pray. And I've been talking about it the last few days. You can listen to my other podcasts if you want. And before, uh, like, I, I started with the Luminous Mysteries. But before I start with the next set of mysteries, I'm going to read a little bit here what it says uh, in this book, My Divine Friend, about um, how we should pray our rosaries, okay? So, during her apparitions of Fatima, the Blessed Virgin requested of the three children that the following prayer be said after each decade of the rosary. My Jesus, forgive our sins, save us from the fire of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in need of thy mercy. Every Catholic should make the recital of this daily rosary a part of their life. Faithfulness to this pious practice will secure Mary's protection and blessing upon their life and works. Help them to fulfill faithfully the duties of this particular state of life, to overcome temptations, to reach a high degree of Christian perfection, and accumulate numerous merits for heaven. If the Blessed Virgin Mary is our daily companion, we may be sure that sooner or later heaven and its everlasting bliss will be ours, for Mary is called the gate of heaven. And we may be sure that the Mother of Perpetual Help will be with us in all circumstances of our present life if we pay her the daily homage of the Rosary. Many people say their daily Rosary, praying this excellent tribute of honor to the great queen of heaven and earth. But it seems that they themselves profit little or nothing by it. Their daily life is void of God's love. They are full of envy and jealousy. They slander their neighbor and indulge in other vices. By praying and meditating on the Madonna, they should become like her. Mary loved God, loved her neighbor, never did anything that would hurt anyone. The very purpose of the rosary is to help people to resemble Mary and to encourage them to imitate her sublime virtues. If there is no fervor, no effort to improve their life and to adorn it with Christian virtues, it means that the rosary is not said as it should be said to produce the most precious effects in the person who recites it. So how should we say the rosary? With attention. Let us say our rosary slowly and think of what we are saying. The Blessed Virgin does not like the rosary we said in negligence and voluntary distraction. She could address them with a just reproach. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain do they honor me. From Matthew 15. Let us therefore put away all distractions. We mean voluntary distractions and concentrate our attention on what we are saying to our dear Mother Mary. 
Involuntary distractions, if we move as soon as noticed, do not render our prayer unmeritorious before Mary. We should be in the state of sanctifying grace. Any prayer made to the Blessed Virgin Mary with the right intention is pleasing to her, but there is no doubt that the rosary said in the state of sanctifying grace pleases her much more. Let us say our rosary with the right intention. If we are aware of a mortal sin, let us first make an act of contrition, go to confession, and then start our rosary. We cannot please our mother with the rosary if by our sins we offend her son Jesus. If a sinner says his rosary with the right intention, the Blessed Virgin will help them to regain the state of grace and become a beloved child. Thus no one, even the greatest sinner, should stop saying this rosary because of his sins. The rosary is a powerful remedy for our spiritual weaknesses and human frailty. We should say the rosary with devotion. We should say the rosary with devotion, which means that we must be willing to dedicate ourselves to Mary's service, to do what may please her, to avoid what may offend her or her son Jesus. A person cannot say the rosary with real devotion if he is not willing to break off sinful occasions, to amend their life, to forgive their neighbor, etc. And we must say the rosary slowly. Many people say the rosary as fast as possible. They cannot concentrate or meditate. They pronounce the words badly or distort them. It is much better and more profitable to our souls to say them devoutly with attention, attention and slowly five decades of the rosary than 15 with distraction and hurriedly. The rosary can be said anywhere, at home, on the bus, the train, when you walk home from work. And if time permits, it would be best for you to retire to your room, kneel down before a picture of the mother of perpetual help, and thus pay your daily tribute to her, whom Archangel Gabriel greeted on the Annunciation Day by saying, Hail Mary. Okay. So, this is um, a little tip about how to say the rosary. Okay. And now we'll go back to the mysteries of the rosary. And last uh, podcast, I talked about the luminous mysteries. And today, I'm going to talk about the joyful mysteries. Okay. So the first joyful mystery is the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel tells Mary that she is to become the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Rejoice, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Mary said, Behold, 
I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So, of course, uh, we've talked about the Annunciation many times on my podcasts. Annunciation where Mary said yes to bear Jesus to the world. And it's such an important part of our uh, tradition, of our Catholic tradition. And, um, you know, every time uh, we celebrate the Annunciation, and it's always during Lent, which is uh, interesting, even if it's on a Good Friday, we celebrate the Annunciation. We make sure that we honor Mary that day because of the importance of this feast day, right? And um, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the icon of the Annunciation on those churches that have iconostases, the royal doors, the main doors that the priest opens to start the liturgy is always the icon of the Annunciation because we opened, Mary opened the door for Jesus to come into the world through her saying yes to bear Jesus, to to become pregnant with Jesus, and the same way when we open the doors of for the divine liturgy, we are welcoming everyone to see Jesus in um, the Eucharist. Right. So this is this is very very important uh, feast day for everyone, and it's unfortunate. You know, because it is, it's always on a um, weekday, most of the time on the weekday, that many people forget about this important feast. And it's, it's one of the most important feasts that we can celebrate during this church year, the Annunciation. The second joyful mystery, the visitation. Mary visits her cousin Elizabeth. Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country of a, to a city of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Mary, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud voice, a loud, loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, for them, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the babe in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So again, um, Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth. And remember, at that very time, Elizabeth was six months pregnant with John. So Elizabeth bore John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin. And Mary, of course, went to visit Elizabeth the exact, right after she became pregnant with Jesus. And the relationship between John the Baptist and Jesus started at that very moment. When, and when the babe in, in uh, Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist in her womb, jumped for joy for being present at, you know, 
with Jesus because as soon as Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, he was, you know, God in the flesh, right? And John, even in the womb of Elizabeth, recognized Jesus immediately, recognized Jesus as God. So that's that's just amazing when you think of that, that the the even in the womb of their mothers, these two cousins recognized each other and John recognized Jesus as God. It's beautiful. The third joyful mystery, the nativity of Jesus. And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came and Mary, for Mary to be delivered. And she, for Mary to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So Christ is born of the Virgin Mary in the grotto of Bethlehem. So of course we know this as Christmas. We know this feast as the nativity of Christ. Everyone in the world, even non-Christians now celebrate it. It's become a, you know, a secular feast for many people with Santa Claus and presents and all that stuff. But we as Christians, as Catholics, have to remember the importance of this feast in the religious context. Yes, we can celebrate with family. We can celebrate with gifts. We can celebrate with, you know, in our Ukrainian tradition, the 12 course meal on Christmas Eve. All that is, is fine. But the important thing is to remember who Jesus is and why he came down from heaven to be born of the Virgin Mary and to give us eternal life. That's the important part of this feast. The fourth joyful mystery, the encounter in the temple. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you may let your servant go in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So, 40 days after uh, the birth of Jesus, it was customary for the Jewish parents to take their firstborn male to the temple to consecrate him. And this is what happened when they were at the temple. Uh, this man, Simeon, um, came and took Jesus into his arms and, you know, prophesied, prophesied about who Jesus was and that now he had the Son of God in his arms. And, and the, the, that's a, that beautiful prayer. You know, I'll say it again. <coughs> we sing it during Vespers. We sing it during many different services. Lord, now you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So Simeon basically said, well, 
my life is complete. There's nothing to live for anymore because I have God in my arms. I have Jesus in my arms. And the whole world is going to be uh, protected from sin now. That the whole world has a chance to be with God again. So, you know, I it's it's time for me to be with God. That's basically what, what Simeon was saying. His life, his earthly life, was complete at that very moment because he has, he's with Jesus. God is among us. God is with us. Right? So this is, this is a very interesting thing. And then Anna also was there, who was an old lady who had been, you know, widowed at a young age and had gone to the temple constantly to worship God. And she also, you know, gave praises to, to, to Mary and Joseph that, that she was able to see God in the flesh. Jesus was right there amongst them. So the counter in the temple is usually uh, the end. Well, there's different um, people, uh, different uh, views, you know, that some people say Christmas lasts for 40 days. So the encounter at the temple is usually the end of the Christmas season, 40 days after uh, uh, Christmas. And um, this is also a time when they bless candles. And that's the Roman Catholic tradition, Candlemas, where they bless candles because Jesus, of course, being the light of the world, to show the uh, the people of Israel that he is the divine light. And the fifth joyful mystery, the finding of Jesus in the temple. <coughs> Mary and Joseph find Jesus among the doctors in the temple of Jerusalem after having spent three days looking for him. After three days, Joseph and Mary found Jesus in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions, and all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. So this is a very interesting story. When Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph went to the temple as they would every year to the Jewish temple to celebrate a major feast. And of course, Jesus was their son, so they brought him with them. And as they were leaving after those days of celebrating, they, uh, they, they, they figured out that Jesus wasn't among their company. That you know there was a great group of people coming from Bethlehem, or or for sorry from Nazareth, uh, to uh, Jerusalem, and you know Jesus somehow wasn't with them. So as any parents would be concerned, you know, Mary would have been very worried as a mother. Joseph was very worried as a father. Well, where is our son? Where did he go? 
So they spent three days looking for him. And those three days is, is very symbolic too because remember three days is, is you know, three is a very, uh, um, a very holy number. You know, the Trinity is three, three days after Jesus died, he rose from the dead. So three days uh, they were looking for him. And on the third day, they found him in the temple. And, and this is another sign, you know, more than this relief. Of course, they found him well. He was well. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't, you know, um, taken by anyone. He was in the temple talking to the priests and the teachers at the temple, teaching them about God. This is, what an amazing story to think about this. A 12-year-old boy teaching the teachers about God, teaching the, you know, the, the, the priests, the teachers who were supposed to teach the people. And this, again, is a sign of who Jesus really is. You know, the, throughout Jesus' early life, there's all these signs that he's showing the people of who he is and that he is the Son of God, right? That he is divine, he is holy, he is the Savior of the world. Right from being a boy, he showed people this uh, message, right? But another thing we can learn from this uh, mystery is that Jesus was obedient, right? So he went with them when they found them. He didn't say, well, no, no I'm going to stay here a week. Leave me alone. I can get home myself. He was obedient to them. He said, you know, it says he came back with them to Nazareth and, 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 and you know, was obedient as a boy to his parents, like all children should be obedient to their parents and 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 he said well why do you why did you seek me because don't you know i'm supposed to be in my father's house father's house you know that worship area the temple where you're always with god every day this is another thing that jesus showed in this um mystery that we must be with god every day all right, so I think that's enough talking about the joyful mysteries, and I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and I will do another podcast shortly.